millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode of Tales of What is sponsored by Babu 691. Babu 691 is your gateway to the weird and wonderful. This online magazine celebrates the surreal and the bizarre in literature, film, art and more. You'll find the latest on bizarro fiction, interviews, humour, the history of surrealism and the weird in all its many forms. Have an idea for an article? Babu691 is open for queries and submissions, so check them out at babu691.com. That's B-A-B-O-U-691.com. Babu... Welcome to the moon. I mean, welcome to season two of Tales of What. My name is Luke Condor with a K. Uh, this is Tales of What. So sorry it's been a little while since the first season, but it took me a really long time to get to the moon. And I really didn't want to put out a new season of this podcast if it wasn't broadcasted from that great white bastard in the sky. Luckily for me, uh, I got up here and I found a few bizarro authors, or bizarro noughts, as they like to call themselves. They're up here chilling, sharing sharing craters, singing each other moon music, giving each other moon-specific pep talks, talking about all the latest lunar goss. That, not hot goss, cold goss, because on the moon telling each other bizarro stories the first story we have today is from a Mr. Frank J. Edler Uh, I owe a lot to Mr. Frank have you ever seen that movie The Snowman not the Michael Fassbender one the animated one the one where the snowman grabs that kid's hand and they fly away or or whatever they do and the snowman shows the, the kid the town couple of clouds shows off his 
laser breath powers probably gives him an ice cream or something I don't really remember but Mr. Frank is my Mr. Snowman <laughs> with his magical Bizong podcast where he interviews Bizarro creatives just about every week with his podcast when I first got into Bizarro he grabbed my hand my sweaty hand and he flew me away and revealed to me the wonders of Bizarro fiction I wouldn't be as big a fan of the genre without him and so it's a great honour to have him open season 2 with a story this is Conrad Lubbock's is out to get you you stupid idiot written by Mr Frank J Edler and narrated by Persephone Rose shut the fuck up and get inside I tell you you look at me and don't move I drag you inside the clubhouse and slam the door shut behind you you are so stupid Conrad Lubbock is out to get me, I tell you. You say, so? I say, so? And then I say, so he knows you know me. And if he sees you at the clubhouse, he's going to know you know I'm here. Oh, you say. I'm frustrated with you. It's like you don't care that Conrad Lubbock is out to get me. I wish Conrad Lubbock was out to get you, because he'd find your apathetic ass right away. I peeped through the slit in the clubhouse door I'd chiseled last night when I discovered Conrad Lubbock was out to get me. I thought it would be awesome to build the ramshackle clubhouse without windows so prying eyes couldn't see in. You ask if you can see what I'm looking at, and I tell you there's nothing to see. So then you ask me why I'm looking if there's nothing to see. I despise your stupid, rational question, so I ignore you and continue looking out for any sign of Conrad Lubbock's. You ask, why is Conrad Lubbock's out to get you? I sigh. Because his dog is in outer space, okay? Are you satisfied? I explain to you. You seem confused and say, huh? All confused-like. Conrad Lubbock's dog. He's in outer space, so he's out to get me. What is so hard to understand about that? I ask you because it's obvious. I hate that I have to explain it even that much to you. You are thick as a brick and say, Why did you put Conrad Lubbock's dog in outer space, though? I say, I didn't put him there. He got there. That's where he is now, so Conrad Lubbock's is out to get me. You continue the Spanish Inquisition. Wait, so if you didn't put his dog in outer space, why is he out to get you? Shouldn't he be out to get the person who put his dog in outer space? It's a reasonable question, so I answer you. Because, I pause, how do I put this? Because I opened the door and he walked through it. What door, you ask? Did he have to go take a shit or something? I don't know, I say. Dogs go outdoors for lots of reasons. I think he just wanted to bask in the sun. Okay, you say. So what's the big deal? I told you, I say to you. The fucking dog is in outer space now. But you didn't put him there, you confirm. Duh, I say to that silly question. You want to know how a dog that just goes out a door I opened winds up in outer space. I tell you it's because I opened up the wrong door. I opened up the dog door to outer space. How was I supposed to know that the door went to outer space? 
How was I supposed to know that Conrad Lubbock, the town's foremost expert on flat earth theory and heart-centered business marketing, had a dog door to outer space in his house? Had I been dog-sitting for Marty Schadenfreude or Becky Ladybottom or Nilla Wafa, the local rap guru and string theory mathematician, I would have expected to find a dog door to outer space. But a heart-centered marketer that's all about the flat earth? No way. I hate to profile anyone, but people like Conrad Lubbock have dog doors to the front yard. Or maybe they have dog doors to China. It wouldn't be out of the question for him to have a dog door to Sodom and Gomorrah, but certainly not a dog door to outer space, which he did have. How fucked up is that? I ask you. You say, kind of fucked up. But I don't believe you believe it's fucked up. By your tone, I think you think it's perfectly normal for a guy like Conrad Lubbock to have a dog door to outer space. I say, you know what, why don't you get the fuck out of my clubhouse, to you. You're all like, what the fuck? And I'm like, out, as I open the door for you to leave. And then you go, fine. And another thing, a guy like Conrad Lubbock would totally have a dog door to outer space because a guy like Conrad Lubbock has the kind of dog that wants to bask in the sun and you storm out. And Conrad Lubbock storms in before I can shut the door. He's got his dog, wearing a Soviet-era spacesuit fitted for space dogs, under his arm. I hear you laugh as you walk away. I say, sup, to Conrad Lubbock. Conrad Lubbock closes the door. kindly Frank and thanking you kindly Persephone off you go now back to your moon beds to recover recuperate and eat a delicious pot noodle ignore him that's the moon talking our next Bizarro Nought is actually the original Bizarro Nought Amy M. Vaughan I'll start out by reading a little introduction I gave to Amy a couple of years ago for an interview on bizarrocentral.com. It's hard not to admire... I'll, I'll try again. It's hard not to admire Amy Vaughan's drive. She exploded onto the Bizarro scene from out of nowhere, and that was just one of the six million items on her to-do list that morning. And when she's not storming the business world of company takeovers and circumnavigating the globe with nothing but a pair of skis, she's also hitting writer's block where it hurts. Right in the prompts. I've not known her for long, but I can already tell she's going to go far. Space, which brings us to today. Um, so Amy, in collaboration with Ira Rat of FilthyLoot.com, put together a story prompts book called Dog Doors to Outer Space. Um, and the idea is it's a bunch of story prompts, so if you're a writer, if you want to write, you could have a flick through this thing, have a sniff of a page, and if it smells right to you, if it inspires further thinking, you could write a story based on that. So once again, that's Dog Doors to Outer Space, edited by Amy M. Vaughan, featuring 15 of a writer's prompts. Also, the stories in today's episode of the podcast, the first story and the last story, actually were inspired by prompts in this book, so you know they work. The proof is in the pudding. So if you want to check that out, go to filthyloot.com and check out the store there, along with the other books and zines and that. 
So definitely go and check out filthyloot.com and the Dog Doors to Outer Space prompts book. But for now, mate, sit down, kick your feet up, turn your phone off, unless you listen to this podcast on your phone, and listen to Happiness Man, written by Amy M. Vaughan and narrated by Alexandra Elroy. There once was a man who told his wife, I have decided to quit my job and spend my days spreading happiness. What will we do for money? She asked. You know that my income alone will not cover our bills. The man smiled. Love of my life, breath of my lungs. Is it not said that those who give the most will receive the most in return? The next morning, the man did not go to work. Instead, he walked to the town square. He smiled at everyone he saw. He made silly faces for children and gave out compliments hand over fist. If someone looked sad, he asked them, What's wrong? Most of the sad people lied to him. They said, Nothing is wrong, I'm fine. Some were the angry type, Mind your own business, they said. They didn't believe the man cared about their problems. The sad people who did talk to the man told him terrible stories of woe, and he listened. He asked questions when he didn't understand, and nodded when he did. And when the people finished their stories, the man shook their hands or hugged them. He wished them well, and the sad people walked away feeling a little bit lighter. The man felt a little lighter too. I talked to half a dozen sad people today. I'm sure I made them happier, the man said to his wife that night. He was buoyant, filled with good cheer. That's very nice, but your boss called and I had to lie to her. I told her you were ill. Tomorrow you have to go to work. Spreading happiness is my job now. His wife sighed and went back to making dinner. The next day the man smiled at more people and more people smiled back at him. He asked more sad people, what's wrong? And more sad people told him their stories. He shook more hands and gave more hugs. The people he helped said, thank you and gave him smiles in return he breathed in their gratitude letting it fill him until he was close to bursting days and weeks passed and the man floated along spreading happiness some of the sad people who had already talked to him came back to do so again other sad people heard there was a man handing out happiness and came looking for him before long the man was spending his days surrounded by people searching for happiness He felt like an enormous balloon tied to a float, leading a parade of sad people towards happier lives. The landlord was here again today, his wife said. He was very unhappy. I'm sorry to hear he is sad. Perhaps he should come to see me and we can talk. Yes, she said. I think you and he should have a conversation. The following afternoon, the man talked to the landlord. You look sad. What is wrong? The landlord talked about his daughter, who had run off with a boy who was no good for her. He spoke of his worry and of his regret over things he had said. The man listened, and in the end the landlord felt a little better. He walked away having forgotten, at least temporarily, about the money he was owed. "'You were supposed to talk to him!' the man's exasperated wife said after the landlord came by again to collect the rent money they could not pay. "'I did!' 
He is a sad man. If you insist on spending your day spreading happiness, can't you at least charge people for it? You are offering a service, doing good work. It's only fair that we should be able to live. The man laughed. Ha! My good wife, wind beneath my wings. You can't charge for happiness. It must be freely given and freely received. Otherwise it's impure, tinged with greed. Anyway, those with money shouldn't have more access to happiness than those without. Which is not to say they need it less. Sadness is everywhere these days. You're trying to sweep the desert, she said. The man felt himself deflate a little. The wife, at her wit's end, left the man and moved back in with her mother. The man became untethered. He no longer felt drawn to go home at night to eat or to sleep. There was no one there to make happy. Instead, he slept on benches and woke up to sad faces looking to him for relief. He continued to tell silly jokes for the children, to say, beautiful weather we're having, at least two dozen times before noon, and to listen to people's heartbreaking stories of loss and pain. And the people continued to tell him, thank you, and you're a saint. Their gratitude made him happy. And he passed that happiness along to the next sad person who needed it. But one day, he noticed that the happiness he was taking in no longer covered what he was giving out. His happiness was running out. Had the change happened overnight? Or had it crept up on him? Was there something different about him? Were the sad people less grateful? Were they taking him for granted? He didn't know. He only knew he was slowly running out of happiness. The man continued to smile and joke, to compliment and listen, but now he scrutinized the sad people's reactions to him and worried about what would happen when the happiness was gone. A balloon with a slow leak. He grew thinner every day and his skin grew loose. Still he helped anyone who needed it, holding doors, running after people who dropped things, carrying packages for old folks and young parents. The man carried on with his work even as he withered. He struggled to lift his sunken cheeks into ghoulish smiles. He flopped his limp and spongy arms around sad people's shoulders in a travesty of affection. Even so, they did not stop coming. They did not stop draining his happiness. Until finally, one morning, the sad people who came looking for happiness found only the man's deflated skin. It was wrapped in his clothes and strewn across the park bench where he'd laid down to sleep the night before. The sad people wept that day, sadder still for the loss of their happiness man. Our next bizarro note is a writer from New York called Ben Fitz. Um, I, uh, again, I interviewed Ben um, a couple of years ago for bizarrocentral.com here. Is the introduction I gave him there. Point your guzzler to the sky, howl at the moon, interesting choice there, and say his name thrice. That's how one summons the spooky zinester from New York, Ben Fitz. Either that or slide into his DMs, all slick like. Ben might look sanitary from a safe distance, but believe me, he's absolutely filthy. And I mean filthy with talent, as if making music and putting together incredible bizarre zines wasn't enough. He's only gone and launched his debut book, My Birth and Other Regrets. Which is true, you can go and check out My Birth and Other Regrets um, from Amazon, I imagine, and wherever else books 
potentially might be sold the black market um so the last story of today's episode is president of presidents written by ben fitz and narrated by grant patrizio ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The President of Presidents steps through the wreckage of the Riverdale Convention and Recreation Center. The heel of her shoe crunches through the skull of a charred skeleton wearing a blackened cape and unitard. A small group of her most trusted from among the world's lesser presidents trails after her. The President of Presidents is elected by all of the world's other presidents, because even presidents need presidents. However, they are all very ashamed of this fact, so they keep her identity and position a secret, even though she is the most politically powerful human being on Earth and the fourth most politically powerful mammal on land. Such a shame, murmurs the President of West Canada, surveying the dead bodies and concrete debris. West Canada is a secret country that only Canadians and West Canadians know about. It was founded in 1983 because Canadians decided they needed to feel more important than at least one of their neighboring countries. But they also felt like it would be rude to brag about the fact. So they ended up keeping the country a secret from the rest of the world. Despite its name, West Canada lies to the east of Canada. A meteor the size of an 18-wheeler strikes Earth, and the only spot it hits is the building that's in the middle of hosting the World Superhero Convention, killing every superhero on the planet in the same instant, continues the President of West Canada. I mean, what are the odds? Never mind the odds. That is the situation, and we need to accept it, says the President of Presidents. As we all know, every Wednesday, Earth is subjected to a myriad of attempts to destroy it. 
These attempts come from supervillains, aliens, evil robots, awakened godlike beings, and more. But every Wednesday since the beginning of history, the superheroes have managed to fight off these various evils and save the world. But now, all of the superheroes are dead. They are all dead, reiterates the president of New Canada, scraping the burned remains of Captain Rhino's elephant trunk off his shoe. But it gets even worse than that. New Canada isn't a secret country like West Canada. It's just that most people have never noticed it. It's Tuesday, he finishes. Oh my god, it is Tuesday, confirms the president of Old Canada. I'm not even going to get into what the deal is with Old Canada. It is concerning me that you are only now seeming to remember that it's Tuesday, says the president of presidents. Earth faces numerous global crises every single Wednesday, and you are all supposed to be presidents. The various lesser presidents all stare sheepishly at their shoes. One notices that she has accidentally stepped in the loose robotic circuitry that was once inside the 100% organic man, and gingerly steps away. Your political qualifications aside, we still have work to do, says the president of presidents. We must pick a new group of people to take the superhero's place and save the world from the onslaught of various perils that it is sure to face tomorrow. And we only have about 13 hours to do so. Should we step up and be the ones to do it? Asks the president of New Canada. No, don't be ridiculous, scolds the president of presidents. We all have important presidential stuff to do. Who else has an idea? Speak up. The bar has just been set extremely low. The president of New Canada breaks eye contact and looks away from everyone else, his upper lip trembling. What about the military? Suggests the president of French Canada between bites of his baguette and strokes of his pencil-thin mustache. No, not the military, says the president of presidents. They may be equipped to fight other militaries, but one scramble with a villain like Mr. Monstrosity or Professor Tinybuns, and they'll be done for. What about the police force? Says the president of Not Canada. No, they'll have the same issue, but to an even greater degree. I've got it, declares the president of New Canada, snapping his fingers as the confidence that had just left him returns. I know who it is that should take the place of all the superheroes. The President of Presidents looks at him with wide, condescending eyes. And whom is that, pray tell? She asks. Janitors, he says, gesturing melodramatically as he says the word. Janitors, she asks. Janitors, he confirms. Think about it. Janitors already deal with cleaning up messes that we don't want to deal with. And at the end of the day, what really is a superhero's job other than cleaning up messes we don't want to deal with just on a super scale? Whether it's dealing with a soiled diaper or with the rampage of a psychotic demon king who's been bitten by a radioactive cricket, they essentially do the same job. The president of presidents thinks about this for a moment. Then she smiles. That makes more sense than anything else that anyone has ever suggested to me, she says. Good work, President Sandwich Pants. Good work indeed. All the world's janitors are quickly rounded up, and their new responsibility to humanity is explained to them.
They are handed hastily stitched skin-tight costumes and assigned clunky crime-fighting names that don't really roll off the tongue. They receive rapid-fire training from the world's best superhero trainers, who try their very best to draw parallels between wielding a subatomic death ray and wielding a wet mop. As it nears midnight, the world's janitors all line up in their ugly costumes. They are ready to step up, to become humanity's new superheroes, to fight supervillains, aliens, evil robots, awakened godlike beings, and more, and to save the Earth. It is Thursday now. The Earth no longer exists. Thanks very much for joining us here on the first episode of Season 2 of Tales of What. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out Season 1 on your favourite podcast app. Also, given how peculiar this show is, we need all the support we can get. So be sure to review the show on your favourite podcast app, tweet it, make a sigil of it and burn that sigil while screaming nakedly in the back garden. And definitely remember to hit subscribe. Conrad Lubbock is out to get you, you stupid idiot. It was written by Frank J. Edler, narrated by Persephone Rose. Happiness Man was written by Amy M. Vaughan and narrated by Alexandra Elroy. President of Presidents was written by Ben Fitz and narrated by Grant Patrizio. Music in this episode was provided by Ira Rat, Phil Andrews, Chris Zabriskie, and Duke Rondo. Sound effects provided by zapsblat.com. You can follow more of me and my work by going to all social media platforms and and following at Luke of Condor. And that's Condor spelled K-O-N-D-O-R. Or just go to LukeCondor.com. Or hey, if you want to hear about my first Bizarro novella, which will be out later this year, join the mailing list. That's tinyletter.com forward slash Luke of Condor. Just as a final note, this entire show is done on a voluntary basis. So far anyway, the writers, narrators, music, it's all done for free. Um, I'd love to continue doing this show for season three or season four, or maybe even a season five. But to do that, I'm going to have to turn my business hat on. Hang on a sec. So I set up a Kofi page. So, or maybe it's pronounced coffee. I don't know. So if you head over to ko-fi.com forward slash Luke of Condor, you can donate a little bit of cash and just make a note that it's for Tales of What. And I'll make sure that goes into the pot for the next season of the show. Right, that's it for this episode. I need to get back down to my home planet. Nice one. Until next time. Bye. Moon? What are you doing? 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.